I'm Jared Dillian, and welcome to the Be Smart Podcast, where we talk about how not to be an idiot with your money, because there's a lot of that going around. You know those commercials? I, it's You know what's funny, the thing with commercials is like, sometimes I see a funny commercial, and I, I can't even remember what it's for. Is So the commercials where people are turning into their parents, like who is that? Is that progressive? I don't I don't even know. I like the commercials. Like, I think they're hilarious. And they're also kind of sad because it's happening to me. Um, the one at the airport is pretty good. So <laughs> I am the guy with paper tickets. I don't like having the tickets on my phone. I just, I just, I don't know. I just have this thing about the phone. I don't want to unlock the phone. and I don't want to, I just don't want to do it rather have the paper tickets. I'm the guy with the paper tickets. And you know, the funny thing about this, the paper tickets is literally, I was just in Nashville last week. And on the way home, I stopped in the Amex lounge to get some breakfast, uh, some free food. And I, you know, I sat there, I had like eggs and sausage and I ate a little bit of food and I took the tickets out of my pocket and I put them on the table. So I'm sitting there, on my computer doing work and one of the cleaning people comes up and takes the plate. So it's time to catch my flight. So I pack up all my shit and I get up and the tickets are gone. They threw away the tickets. They picked up my plate and they took the tickets and threw away the tickets. Like you gotta be kidding me. So I hustle on down to the gate, which was like really far away. It was like a 15 minute walk. And I I get there and I'm like, can I please, have some tickets. I lost my tickets. Felt like a complete donut. Um, <laughs> but one of the things in that commercial in the airport is they have the woman who's got like a plastic bag full of snacks and she's like, look, I brought all these delicious snacks. And the guy says, nope, and takes it away. Now that's a personal finance thing. I mean, maybe that's an age thing, but that's also a personal finance thing. Like, Stuff in airports is really, really expensive, you know, like if you're going to get a bag of peanut M&Ms, it's going to cost eight bucks at the airport store, like the Hudson store, whatever it is, it's going to cost eight bucks. So what I do is I don't, I don't get peanut M&Ms, but I get some protein bars. I get like two or three protein bars and I put them in a plastic bag. And if I get hungry, that's what I eat. You know, in the protein bars, I order from Amazon or I get them at the vitamin shop and I get them in bulk. So I, they're like two fifty dollars a piece, which is a lot cheaper than 8 bucks for the peanut M&Ms at the Hudson store. So this is like a no-brainer. And I'm, I'm like pissed at the people who did this commercial because really like this is like an obvious way to save money. Like, it's a very obvious way to save money that doesn't really have a cost in terms of time. You have to plan a little bit, right? But it does it does not really have a cost. I mean, I do this when I'm packing. You know, I'm packing my underwear. I'm packing my socks. I'm like, what else do I need? Oh, I'll bring some protein bars. And I just package them up and I take them with me. So they really shouldn't do stuff like that. Just make fun of people who are trying to save money, you know. Um. By the way, if you don't... <laughs> See, here's what happens. Like, if you don't pack food, then you end up eating whatever they give you on the plane, which is all like super high carb, like a bag of pretzels, like that has no nutritional value whatsoever. Or they give you those Biscoff cookies, right? Now, the thing with the Biscoff cookies is they are revolting, like they're terrible. But if you dip them in coffee, they're amazing. 
So that's the only way I'll eat those things is if I get a cup of coffee on the plane, then I'll put the Biscoff cookies in the coffee. What, why are we talking about this? I have no idea. By the way, they, they say you shouldn't get coffee on a plane because apparently it's like mongoose piss. It's like really gross. But um, I do get coffee on the plane sometimes. What other things can you do to save money? Well, I discovered this a couple of weeks ago. I had to get stuff on Amazon. I had to get like socks. I really did buy socks on Amazon and some cat food stuff. And I got like four things on Amazon. And when I placed the order, I looked and I got a $5 multi-order discount. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, maybe next time I'll plan ahead and I'll order a bunch of shit at the same time and get $5 off. You know, it just it's just a small thing, but whatever. It's easy to do. You know, and it, it cuts down in the packaging. I'm only getting one box instead of four boxes, so we save some trees. The other thing about planes, and this they make like a big deal about this now. Like, they're like, you can't bring alcohol on a plane and consume it. And I'm like, why? Uh, okay, I guess I understand why. Because passengers get shit-faced drunk and then they're groping the flight attendants and getting into fights and stuff like that for sure they don't want they want the flight attendants to have the ability to cut somebody off if they're drinking too much right i guess now 20 years ago i used to bring alcohol on the plane like i had a flask and i would fill it with bacardi or jack daniels and I'd be on the plane and I would get a coke and i'd put the bacardi in the coke and have a rum and coke and it was like not a big deal so I don't know. I don't I just I just get the feeling that things are getting worse. But that's what happens when you get old. You just start to you start to think things are just getting worse all the time. So I was on the plane one morning. This was uh, this was like five years ago and I was in first class. It's like 530 in the morning, like zero dark hundred. It's dark. It's 530 in the morning, dark and cold. And they're going through first class. What do you want to drink? And this guy orders a double vodka. <laughs> and the flight attendant's like, it's a little early for that. <laughs> and she, she gave it to him anyway. But I'm like, oh, my God, who orders vodka at 530 in the morning? Jesus. Anyway, that's my intro for today. We're actually not going to talk about that. We're not going to we're not going to talk about that stuff. What I really want to talk about is how do you know when somebody is going to be successful? Okay, let's just take my own example. So I was a clerk on the P-Coast at the Options Exchange, and all the traders I worked for, they all went on to be very successful. Some in trading, some outside of trading. They all went on to have very successful careers. They're smart guys. They're all smart guys. So one of the things I wondered is when they were looking at me, did they think that I was going to be successful? Did they think I was going to be successful at trading or something else? You know, I think about that. I mean, because I was just like a complete maniac. First of all, I had this military haircut. I had like this high and tight haircut. I was built like a brick shit house. I was lifting weights all the time. I was a monster. And I was a pretty intimidating guy. And I guess pretty smart. I mean, but like, I don't know. Did they think I was going to be successful? And the interesting thing is, is that I, I went on to be super, super successful on Wall Street. You know, I mean, who would have known? I had an intern about three years ago who had the same vibe. Um, he was he was very impatient, okay? 
first of all, he knew a lot. Like he had done all his reading on Wall Street and read all about finance. And just in terms of technical stuff, he was very proficient and he knew more than any other intern I knew. But that wasn't what made him successful. What made him successful was the fact that he was so impatient. He was in a big hurry to succeed. Like life was not moving fast enough for him, you know. And uh, I was like, that that guy, that guy is going to be successful for sure. You know, um, I was kind of the same way. I remember I was at Lehman and I was trading index arbitrage and not my boss, but my boss's boss told me, he says, we're going to we're probably going to move you over to the ETF desk. And I was fired up. I was so excited. Right. So a week goes by, it doesn't happen. Two weeks goes by, it doesn't happen. I'm like, hey, is this going to happen anytime soon? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a month and then two months, six months goes by before it finally happens. Man, I was really, really freaking out. You know, I was impatient. I wanted it right now, you know, which is, I think, I think it's something that successful people have in common. They want results and they want results now. They aren't willing to tolerate mediocrity. They aren't complacent. What else do successful people have in common? Well, they're optimists. I mean, really, like it's hard to be a pessimist and be successful. I I guess there's some people that are, but it's hard to be a pessimist and be successful. Um, I've never, I don't know if I've told the story before. I might have told it on the radio, but, you know, I was drum major of the marching band in high school and I was probably maybe the most successful drum major in the history of the marching band for sure. Um, and I was, uh, you know, at that age, age 17, 18, I was really, it was very optimistic. I was a very optimistic kid and every setback was an opportunity. And I just, I had this sunny disposition and I was, you know, I was a happy kid and really outgoing and super optimistic. So, There was an instructor for the marching band, like a paid instructor, and his name was Jim Smith. And he he wasn't much older than me. I mean, he was like 19. And I did something. I don't remember what it was. And he kind of like stopped the band and he said, you know, if you could take what Jared has and put it in a bottle and sell it, you'd be a millionaire. And that was, I think, in my entire life, that is the best compliment I have ever received in my entire life. And uh, I, I, you know, I've tried to look up Jim Smith. The problem is his name's Jim Smith. How the hell am I going to find Jim Smith? I'm never going to find him again. But it was it was the best compliment that I've gotten in my entire life. So optimism and impatience. What else? Well, determination, you know, Um, my intern that I had three years ago, he had a high level of determination. He got a job on Wall Street as an outsider. I got a job on Wall Street as an outsider. The story behind how I did that is absolutely incredible. I went for a period of about 18 months where I was sleeping two hours a night, which is not an exaggeration. I worked harder on that than anything in my entire life. And I got lucky and it worked out and it changed my life forever. It changed the course of my life, you know sheer determination. So optimism, impatience, and determination. What else? Well, I think one thing that successful people have in common is they're very persuasive. And that's actually something I don't have. You know, being persuasive, the ability to get people to do what you want them to do. And also being an effective negotiator. And say what you want about Trump. Trump was a very persuasive guy. 
he just went about it in a completely unorthodox way. And nobody else can do what Trump did. I mean, it was it was just it was an outlier, you know, and um, I was ripping on Obama one time. This was back in like 2010, 2011. And somebody emailed me and he says he's like, dude, the guy is president. You have to give him credit. He got he, you know, becoming president of the United States is a pretty incredible achievement. No matter what you think of the person, like it, it takes a lot of these qualities to become president of the United States. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Successful people are very charismatic people who get people to do what they want them to do. But what do I know about being successful? I'm actually not that successful, especially for my age. You know, I'm 47. I mean, yeah, I've made some money and I've, ha- I've got some c- accomplishments and stuff like that. But really, I mean, you may find this hard to believe, but, you know, when I look in the mirror, I don't really see somebody who is super successful. I don't for my age. You know, I'm a jerk off. I mean, I was look, I was a good trader at Lehman, um, but the newsletter should not have taken 13 years to get to this point. Right. And like now it's 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 an institution. It's a very popular newsletter. But it grew very slowly and it grew slowly because I was not aggressive. Okay. And the funny thing is, is that I was super aggressive up until age 34, at which point I became very passive. And I went through a lot. You know, I had been through a lot in my life. And I think at age 34, I needed a rest. You know, so the first three years after leaving Wall Street, I didn't do shit, you know, and the newsletter suffered. Believe it or not, my newsletter does not take a great deal of time to manage. Like if I really wanted to, I could do this job in four hours. I could get to the office at eight and I could be home at noon. I really could do that. It doesn't take a lot of time. So I have all this time in the day to do other stuff like a podcast or like I did the radio show or going to grad school or teaching. So I've been putting a lot of time into Jared Dillian money because I want to reach as many people as possible. And back in 2018, when we started this, I told my partners and I said, look, this is what I do for a living. I help rich people get even richer, which I enjoy. It's fulfilling. It's lots of fun. But really, I want to reach everybody. I want to help everyone else, too. So that's what this is all about. And I feel that I have a pretty good message. I came from a pretty humble background. And I, from a personal finance standpoint, I did just about everything right, you know, I still do bonehead things in the market now and then, but don't we all? Have I ever been not successful at something? Well, yeah, a bunch of things. I mean, you know, I kind of failed at Lehman. I never got promoted to senior vice president. Uh, I got bounced off the tennis team. I really didn't make the cut at the wrestling team at the Coast Guard Academy. But really, like, you know, my biggest failure, you're going to be surprised at this, is Street Freak, my first book. It's my biggest failure. You know, that book was a complete goat rodeo and I was unlucky in many ways and also stupid in many ways. Um, A lot of people don't really understand this, but you know, you can publish a book well or poorly and that book was published very poorly and it, there was, there was just a, it was, it was a lot of mistakes and You know, I try not to dwell on it, but if that book had been published well, it really could have been life changing. And it still was life changing. It it was. I mean, it changed my life forever. But if the book had been published well, it could have been fantastic. So one of the things that I've noticed is that 
success begets success, right? So it just starts rolling like a rock down a hill. You get a little bit successful and that turns into more success and that turns into more success. And if you ever look at somebody and say, that guy's so lucky, that guy has all the luck. Well, it's partially true, though he had to work very hard to get that first piece of luck, then the second piece was easier, then the third piece was easier after that. I'm Jared Dillian. You've been listening to the Be Smart Podcast. See you next time.